Greetings and welcome to episode 229 of the Words About Games podcast, a weekly video game podcast for Words About Games. I'm your host, Amy K. Alexander, just now checking to make sure all of the volume is on, it is. And I'm joined this week by Patrick Welsh. Hello, Amy. Season's Hello, greetings. Season's greetings. It's the best It's the best season of the year. Oh, it's very spooky. Yeah, it's spooky season. I know. I do my Vincent Price impression, but I think I've done it too much. I don't think that. I don't think that's true or possible. <laughs> well, so I was hoping I was baiting it out of you there. No, no. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to fall for that. You're one of those terrible phantasms, aren't you? No. It's only because I can't do Peter Laurie. Uh, I'll take your word for it. No. Um, how how are you doing? Um. I get by. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my situation is not really remarkable given the circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, just it's, take every day as it comes. As, you know. It's yeah. It's the default question I always ask at the beginning of each yeah. podcast, and but it's like it does have new, new and horrifying meanings. Yes. How are you? Yes, it's because now it's basically the you know how are you coping. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like how are you, how is life for you? How good is life for you? Now it's how are you surviving whatever? Yeah, that's like, right. We are currently living through. <laughs> yeah, how many survivors are in your house? You know, how many zombies are outside? Are the windows all boarded up? Yeah. yeah look, I've got all. Or, or, did I lock all of the doors and windows? <laughs> no, you fool! You've doomed us all. No, Jason Voorhees is outside. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a few months since we've had since we've had you on the podcast. Yeah, and, there's been a pandemic since. And since then, everything has been fine. It's every the, the game in the game. This is fine. Specifically, this is all fine. You know, there's not been like radical movements for justice for Black Lives or trans lives. Mm-hmm. And gigantic mm-hmm. controversies involving entire AAA publishers. <laughs> like none of it. It was it. The games industry's had a normal one in 2020. And oh yeah, that might have been a little little pandemic. Just a little pandemic. But everything's good. Apart from all of that, <laughs> I think everything's going pretty well. Games are pretty good. I mean, in fairness, I think it's... I don't want to say it's been a mixed blessing, because that's... <laughs> Not accurate, but I think as an industry, video games are probably not doing so badly in that people are still playing them and buy- and paying for them. Um, I think releasing consoles in the current environment is stupid and dumb and should be pushed back to next in- year. But Indeed. we had to have the world's biggest game of chicken. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. we couldn't yeah. just... Sony and Microsoft couldn't just sort of get together and say, you know what, maybe we don't do this now. Maybe next year. We'll see how yeah. the recession plays out. <laughs> yeah, that was a long, long series of conversations on this podcast over the course yeah. of six months, and I just got where I just got more and more and more irate. <laughs> well, the entire situation, understandably so. Yes, because it just became increasingly clear that now is not a good time to be releasing consoles. So why should we bother? But that would have neither of them was prepared to cede any ground and. We'll see what happens because maybe, uh, maybe they're not going to do great in the current environment. <laughs> oh, 
we'll see. It's still difficult yes. to get a pre-order, but it's, I mean, without knowing how many they've actually made. It's... Right. <laughs> like, it's really impossible it's really to tell how well I do. I am apparently getting one, uh, a PS5 in less than four weeks. Oh, good. Which one are you getting? Uh, the the normal one, the disc one. Because I still use discs quite a lot. Um, okay. I, I didn't even bother trying because I didn't see the point. No, I knew I was going to probably get one of those. Um, even though all the games, the exclusive games are most of them are coming out on PS4. I'm still like, I'll get a PS5 because I can afford one of the two right now. Mm-hmm. Um, was this before or after Microsoft bought Bethesda? <laughs> it's before. <laughs> my my Xbox One X will serve me well for a year or two and then we'll see what happens. To be honest, I'd probably just I'd be fine getting the Series S. The cheap one. Because um, I'm not really that... I don't have a 4K TV. Right. I'm not really that fussed. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Is I think... I wonder if, for how many people buying a games console is not necessarily even a £400 purchase, but a £1,000 purchase, because they've both got to get a 4K TV. Yeah. Justify right. it. Like, that was originally before... <laughs> the apocalypse happened that was my my sort of plan was to sort of see if i could maybe get a, a, a ps5 and a 4k tv and like have mm-hmm. the whole get the whole setup all at once and i was like yeah no that's not happening now but i'll get the console that's the most more important of the two things anyway well yes and also that would be future proofed yeah like it'll be able to it will be able to do you know 4k at some point yeah, I'll still be able to get the 4K TV and then... Well, you also need to, you'd also still need to get a 4K TV that's also got HDMI 2.1 and everything HDMI else as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I did a lot of research at the beginning of the year and did not put any much of it to use. But anyway, where am I up to in this thing? There we go. This is the Words About Games podcast. Every Friday we discuss what's going on in gaming, the games industry, and gaming culture. In this week's episode, we discuss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Yes. I keep saying, I'm trying to, I keep trying to British it up, right? And being like, oh, it's Ocasio. <laughs> Ocasio. Like a butler in Downton Abbey. I, I don't know. I've never watched Downton Abbey. <laughs> but anyway, in this week's episode, we discuss Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's recent Among Us stream, Phil Spencer's comments regarding the Elder Scrolls series following Microsoft's Bethesda acquisition, the NPD sales figures for September, and more. Then we'll go over all the new game announcements from the past week. We'll give you a content drop where we recommend some articles you should read and some videos you should watch. We'll tell you what games are coming out next week before playing Open Critic Head to Head, where we guess the Open Critic average of one upcoming game. And then, as always, we'll wrap up with a post-show discussion to chat about whatever's on our minds. There are timestamps in the description below the video on YouTube, so you can click around and watch whatever bits of the podcast you want to watch in whatever order you want to watch them. Um, We're also available on a fair few audio platforms nowadays. Uh, You can get the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. We're still waiting to hear back from Google. (laughs) iTunes managed 24 hours to do it and turn around in 24 hours. Google has so far taken three weeks. Yeah, well, Google might not be doing podcasts this time next week. This is true. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. That's not me, like with some 
weird insider. That's just, you know, me making Google jokes. When it happens, I'll just credit it all like to you. The information came. <laughs> Patrick had the information. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a Google, Google insider. <laughs> Google drops entire product line shock, basically. It's yeah, no, it's, it's never it's, a shock when they do it. It would be a pretty safe bet. I mean, it's always a safe bet. It was one of Keith's predictions that they would kill Stadia this year. Oh, no, they're not going to kill it this year. No, not this year. <laughs> it is going to die. Gonna die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should we jump straight into the news? Sure, let's go. Let's go. Number one. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez streams on Twitch with Hassan Piker and Pokemon. Draws over 430,000 viewers. This is from Nathan Grayson. Over at Kotaku, who writes... Began on Monday with a simple question. Anyone want to play Among Us with me on Twitch to get out the vote? Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez asked on Twitter, and nearly every even vaguely left-leaning streamer on Twitch answered. Mere hours later, AOC had a verified Twitch channel and with hundreds of thousands of followers. Tuesday night, she streamed with some of Twitch's biggest stars, resulting in a raucous... Raucous. Thank you. Sorry. In a raucous, no, that's helpful. In a raucous <laughs> audience that topped out at around four hundred thirty-nine thousand concurrent viewers on her channel alone. <clears throat> AOC streamed Among Us, Twitch's out of nowhere sci-fi deception mega hit, alongside fellow representative Elon Omar, as well as online personalities as Sam Piker, Pokemon, Doctor Lupo, Disguised Toast, Moist Critical, Myth, MXM Tune, and Jacksepticeye. Later in the stream, they were joined by others like Valkyrie and Corpse. Between their own channels, these streamers added another 200,000 plus concurrent viewers to the series of Among Us games, bringing the fall total up to over 600,000 concurrent viewers. AOC's 439,000 alone, though, means that she now holds the record for third most concurrent views viewers on an individual streamer's channel in Twitch history. For comparison's sake, recent streams by Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders both topped out at around 1,000 viewers, while the stream by the US Army eSports team that ran around the same time as EOCs pulled in, and then it just says sad trombone sound viewers, when I believe it was like 50. <laughs> Most of whom were probably trolls. Probably. They've been getting trolled pretty hard. As um, they should they be. Back. As they should be. Yes, as they should be. I agree. Uh, AOC began her stream by saying she was super nervous but quickly found her rhythm, laughing and joking with everybody else. After Omar had some technical issues, the group began playing Among Us, a game in which up to 10 players work together to get a spaceship up and running, but some are secretly designated imposters who are out to sabotage the ship and kill other players. Imposters then must lie and deceive their way to victory, or else other players will catch on to what they're up to. Quote, I really don't want to be imposter, please don't let me be imposter, AOC said. The game immediately made her one of the imposters, at which point AOC said, no. She did well, however, even if it pained her. I didn't read this full story. It's quite funny. I can't, quote, I can't kill Porky, she said as she crept up behind Pokemon. She's so nice. Upon killing Pokemon, AOC gasped loudly at the horror she had wrought. Eventually, the streamers caught on to AOC's innocent act, but she still managed to convince Omar not to vote her out the airlock. Quote, are you really going to do this to me, Ilhan? She asked, declaring Omar her ride or die after she replied, no. Throughout a series of matches, AOC did in-game tasks, joked, revealed that her League of Legends skills were sadly deteriorated, talked about healthcare, and got portrayed by the first person ever to host her on a stream, Harry H. Bomber Guy Bruce. 
It was legitimately enjoyable viewing, buoyed certainly by an all-star cast of streamers, but AOC only felt like a fish out of water at the beginning. Once she got settled in, settled in she was a natural. Before long, she was regularly doing things like accusing disguised toast of marinating her by following her around the map so as to eventually kill her. In one especially entertaining moment, she got him thrown out the airlock by suggesting that it'd be an evil genius move for him to do it two matches in a row because nobody would expect something so obvious. I was protecting you, Toast shouted as his character drowned in a lake of lava. Did you watch this? any of this stream? I did not watch the stream. Um... Because I didn't know when it when it was. I I wanted to watch the stream, um, because I I am a big fan of Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. I think she is I fantastic, and Among Us is a lot of fun to watch. I did see that her put the call out on Twitter, and about half my Twitter feed seemed to be responding to her. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, a lot of people I just sort of shot shot their shot, which is just fair enough, right? Like you got a chance to stream Among Us on Twitch with AOC, mm-hmm. like you're gonna go for it, right? Um, I didn't watch the stream live because it was on like overnight here, here mm. in the UK. Well, yeah, I mean they're, they're five hours behind us. Oh. Yeah, I did watch. I've watched some of the the VOD though. It's wonderful. <laughs> like it's genuinely just wonderful, like to watch. Yeah, I didn't know Elon Omar was in it though. Elon Omar. Was, that sounds like only, a good <laughs> Not only was she in it, her daughter shows up like halfway Aww. through and turns up as well. Elon Omar just. Is a straight up machine <laughs> when she's impostering. Like she's a murder machine. <laughs> I feel like someone's going to capture that audio and like put it in an action slogan now, saying "Illinois oh, Bar is a murder, murder machine in Among Us as an imposter." She's really good at. It. She's basically really good at. It. Vote for rich, not a Nazi. Paid for the campaign to elect rich, not a Nazi. <laughs> Paid for by the Nazi campaign. Um. <laughs> But no, it was like really entertaining. AOC is a really good streamer, like as it turns out. Like, it takes a while. It like I think the VOD starts. It takes like half an hour before they're in actually into the game. Well, uh, yeah. And I, it might be helped by the fact that she's surrounded herself with like some of Twitch's biggest streamers. Mm-hmm. Um, but like within like an hour or so, like AOC is just like if you didn't know she was a sitting congresswoman, and it wasn't mentioned constantly on the stream because they, they were they were actually trying to get out the vote uh, as part of this mm-hmm. like you would just like tune into this and be like oh this is she's just a really good streamer like she's personable mm-hmm. she's she's nice she gasps a lot <laughs> well i mean i don't i mean i don't think she's ever done anything on twitch but she has definitely done stuff on the gram mm-hmm. where she'll like be cooking dinner and then talking about healthcare reform yeah like and that was she's that was very comfortable doing this like being an online presence oh definitely like and also multitasking <laughs> and multitasking yeah um like she didn't like damning technical hiccups what was cool was there were moments where it was like they were where like it would be like hey get out the vote vote early do this have a voting plan etc etc um i know at one point she was talking to uh h bomber guy and Pokemon, um who are from the uk and canada about socialized medicine yeah, yeah, I call them million young people <laughs> in America, which like, yeah, like um, she was talking to like H bomber guy about 
about free healthcare essentially and he was saying some he was saying something like how it works in the uk is yes you go to your doctor and they give you a prescription and then you go get medicine and then you go look up how much it costs in the us and she like it sort of she even she who was you know not stupid and ill-informed couldn't really believe yeah how straightforward the nhs is yeah, you go away, doctor. The doctor says, hey, not you need the NHS, some medicine. Not the NHS. I mean, the NHS can sometimes be yeah. problematic as hell, but getting prescriptions is relatively straightforward. It's relatively easy, yeah, most of the time. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's super simple. But, like, yeah. those were, like, pockets of the of the stream. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, she was on for, like, three hours, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It was around about three hours. But it wasn't, like, three hours of, like, constantly like talking about politics and social issues and and everything else that she talked about most of it was just dedicated to the game and then like there'd be small pockets of have a voting plan get out the vote or talking about uh free health how free healthcare works in the free healthcare works in the in the uk um or canada like and I think that's probably what made it work so well, right? Because for the most part, she was just playing the game. She was just having fun. She was trying to figure out do her tasks. She was trying to figure out who was sus. Well, yeah. I mean, the way it sort of came across her Twitter account was it basically seemed like she just said, "Oh, I kind of want to play this." Yeah. Like it came across as very authentic, like like she did when she said she wanted to play Animal Crossing, and then she played Animal Crossing. And then she visited random people's islands, and it was the best. Um, yeah, like I can understand that because Among Us is a game. That you said yourself is really entertaining to watch, and that's how I how I got into it. Like for weeks and weeks, I watched it, uh, but I'd never played it. But I was still like, "It's the best thing that's come out this year." <laughs> well, it didn't come out this year, but yeah, <laughs> it came out this year. It's the best thing everybody yeah. discovered this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it sort of is also a tribute to Among Us. Like, I don't know what Alexandra Casio Cortez's like game art cred is, but. Like certainly from come from an audience perspective, it's like Among Us is so straightforward to understand. Yes. Even if you're not a gamer. 100%. Like there's no it's not Call of Duty. It's not like there's no like even like technical physical requirements to it really, because it's all for the most part social. It's yeah. a social deduction game. Like like as soon as you've got Grok the concepts, it's there's like a, not a huge barrier of entry. Yeah, it's like the tasks that you have to perform in, in Among Us are really simple and easy to figure out within like ten seconds yeah. of just looking at it and going, Okay, what the hell am I what am I supposed to do here? Like, oh Yeah, they're I like warrior work. Yeah, like, oh, it's the numbers one to ten in jumbled up order. What do I do? Like I'll, you just do yeah. one to ten and like they're sim- super simple and super quick and super easy to pick up and the, the complexity of it is trying to figure out who's trying to murder everybody. Um, and getting it wrong and ejecting Phil out of the dialogue four times in one one session. Um, <laughs> like, but it, it speaks to your point, like, because we've got a, we've obviously now got an Among Us group going. Number one, it speaks to the popularity of it that it was super simple, and I've got a group of eleven people and counting to like call on, like for playing Among Us. But that's also like that group is a mixture of of like people like myself and and Moody. Like who are like we do do video game podcasts. We constantly play video games. We like live video games, but also on the other end of the spectrum, people like Phil and his wife Erica play play with us, and like they they play games every every now and again. Maybe like they're the playing like two or three games a year crowd, and like 
we both have the same amount of enjoyment out of out of Among Us. Yeah, if she'd been playing Dead by Deadlight, uh, Dead by Daylight, it'd be a very different stream. Yeah, exactly. Like something that requires a lot of mechanical skill and, and yeah, and objectionable skill. content and objectionable content. Yeah, like it, I wouldn't have been able to get the same group of people together to play player and battlegrounds or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I such mean, a good time. I mean, PUBG doesn't really reward you for. <laughs> it's not really welcoming. Because yeah. I mean, the very yeah. the very premise of the game is yeah, ninety nine percent of people we'll who lose. play this will will lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like welcome to PUBG. You're all gonna die. <laughs> welcome to Among Us. You're also all gonna die, but it'll be entertaining yeah. as hell, and you get to watch your friends. Yeah, a game at Among Us at most runs for half an hour. Yeah, I think the I longest game usually... we played was like ten fifteen minutes. Um, yeah, on on Saturday, like. And that's assuming it goes for a long time and everyone's like constantly hammering the accusation button. Oh god, yes. Like I mean, yeah, like my game of Among Us um my games of Among Us, like when I was the imposter, like people were like weren't finding the bodies I was dropping. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't last that long. Um there there'd be other matches where someone would be like I think we caught Phil venting like really quickly in the match so like we had a match that lasted a couple of minutes because someone just went beam phil vented <laughs> you're like okay phil bye and that was one of the times we voted him out and he was the imposter um but yeah it's like it's simplicity is what makes it work um coupled with the fact that like everybody's looking to hang out online for the obvious yeah. current situation reasons and it's social and it's social in a way that isn't just having slurs thrown at you by a 14 year old yeah exactly and it's like it's that kind of game where you can like all sit around and recap what happened in the match the night before and like the recaps are just as entertaining as playing the game Um, for example, like um, just before we move on, like because I'll, I'll reiterate that I love this stream, but my favorite moment had to be H Bomber guy, <laughs> the first person who ever had AOC on Twitch during his uh, Mermaid uh, stream last year, where she she had her on for like ten minutes. Um, for his first match because he jumped in part way through and then he killed AOC, <laughs> 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 and the look of betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> he was just very shocked. <laughs> um, was was a highlight. I loved it. And then uh, H guys just on Twitter at the, afterwards. Nobody clipped that. <laughs> I mean, also the sheer number of people watching the stream, like you know, half a million people. Like, I'm I'm just trying to remember if that's bigger than some U.S. states. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's far off. Like, how many people live in Wyoming? U.S. populations. Uh, yeah, well, the population of Wyoming is five thousand. Is five hundred seventy-eight thousand. Wow, that's... So, yeah. So, like, if you, I mean, if you, if you throw in like all of the other streamers that were streaming at the time, like, yeah, more people were watching this stream yeah more people watching this than there are in wyoming Wyoming. which has has three votes in the electoral college does that does that mean we should give among us votes in the electoral college i mean it would probably go to the democrats so yes 
<laughs> Let's do it. Woo. I mean, it also just sort of every, you know, reinforces how fucked up the electoral college is. Uh, yeah, well, we don't, we don't like. I don't like talking the, about the electoral you know, college or first past the post. No, well, they're both. They they are absolutely dreadful. Indeed, systems for electing people. But I think that's it. I mean, how much impact it will actually have? It's hard to say, but I mean, I mean, Trump won. I think Wisconsin by like seventy thousand votes. So I think you know, if five hundred thousand people more, if those people watching all go out and vote, that'd be great. Yeah. And it's probably for the most part a stream. You know, people watching a stream of Among Us. Historically, that's probably not a population that votes hugely, and which will probably also lean Democrat. Um, yeah, especially considering like the two people who are elected officials who are on the stream were both, Dem- were both Democrat yeah. and not just progressive Democrats as well; they were just Democrats. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Like you, you remember is, um, AOC is probably going to run for president in eight years. <laughs> well, I mean, we can hope. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, this one, this kind of stuff won't hurt. No, 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 no. I don't know if there's been a backlash to it. Like, how many Republicans come up and saying, "Wow, what's she doing playing Among Us?" Wah, wah, wah. I don't think Republicans would. Republicans would need to have even yeah. a basic understanding of what happened. Yeah, they would need to know what a Twitch is. <laughs> yeah, like I remember the story of AOC um, from a couple of months ago, trying to get um, put the the bill through in Congress. To stop the e- army esports team from broadcasting on Twitch because they've been yeah. shady about it, and yeah. even tw- she even tweeted afterwards like she had trying trying to explain what Twitch was to like people in the yeah in the Congress. So I imagine a lot of Republican Congress people just kind of did not know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get like Mitch McConnell playing Four Guys or something as as funny as that would be. That would be the f- that would, <laughs> that would probably get more people watching, but for a completely different reason. <laughs> Ah, let's move on, though. I love AOC. <laughs> she's, she's great. She's the best. She's the best. I, I hope she doesn't get milkshake ducked, because she's the best. Uh, what have we got next? Xbox head. That's Phil Spencer. Xbox head. Bethesda purchase wasn't to keep games away from other platforms. This is from Brendan Sinclair over at gamesindustry.biz, who writes... Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda parent ZeniMax last month opens the door to making franchises like The Elder Scrolls, Doom, and Fallout exclusive to the Xbox gaming ecosystem. But that wasn't necessarily the plan, Xbox head Phil Spencer told Kotaku in an interview. When asked if it was possible for Microsoft to recoup the $7.5 billion it spent on Bethesda if it didn't put The Elder Scrolls 6 on PlayStation to maximize sales, Spencer quickly said it was, then added a bit more on how he viewed the acquisition. Quote, the deal was not done to take games away from other player bases like that. Nowhere in the documentation that we put together was, how do we keep other players from playing these games? We want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to go play games. End quote. Then he said, he added that between Xbox consoles, PCs, and platforms supporting Game Pass, quote, I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to make that kind of deal work for us. Whatever that means. End quote. Uh, Elsewhere in the interview, Spencer talked about plans to expand Game Pass, saying in the coming years, Microsoft will likely add the ability for Xbox One owners to stream Xbox Series S slash X games on their system. 
That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so like this is the question that everybody's been kind of asking since Bethesda was bought by Microsoft. Was like, oh my god, are they going to make all of Bethesda's games exclusive to the Xbox platform? The Xbox platform. Um, and we haven't had you on since that happened. So what do you think? <laughs> what do I think? Um, I have heard very good arguments kind of from 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 both sides, as it were. Um, that on the one hand, you don't spend $7.5 billion acquiring Zenimax and then not make them exclusive. Like, it makes no sense. But on the other hand, it's also leaving an awful lot of money on the table if Elder Scrolls VI um, is released exclusively on Xbox. So, <sighs> at the end of the day, Phil Spencer is an executive at Microsoft, and I don't necessarily believe a word that comes out of his mouth when he says... When he says, "Oh, we have no plans for whatever," no, they ab they absolutely have plans, one way or the other. Um, I think that the way Microsoft is seeing this is how this is. I think we have to see it through the lens that they're seeing most things in that. Fundamentally, this isn't necessarily about selling Xboxes so much as it's about selling Game Pass. And the thing is, is that say, for example, the Elder Scrolls Six comes out and is multi-platform, you'll have to pay presumably about $70, 60 pounds for it on PlayStation, and it will be included in Game Pass. And that's before we get to the question of how they deal with DLC. Yeah. So it becomes a selling point for Games, for games Pass either way. Um, what I what I think would will actually happen, what I think would be smart for them to happen, would be to have the top tier Bethesda games. So Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, those remain multi-platform because those, well, maybe not Doom, but those are games that sell millions of copies and have really long tails, and it makes no sense for them not to be available. But the sort of like next tier down, so you know, Dishonored, Prey, Wolfenstein, those are the ones that you can sort of like have as exclusives in order to sell consoles because those don't do. I mean, they haven't done gangbusters in, in the past, but they kind of make sense to sort of have around as to sort of like build prestige for the consoles. Yeah, I think we're on the same page on that regard. Um, in that sort of like, I can't see Elder Scrolls Six being exclusive to Xbox platforms, even though that would include PC as well. Um, which is, you know, I imagine where the bigger player base is for Elder Scrolls, but because it's such a Titanic franchise, that was a poor. I meant Titanic is <laughs> in big, not Titanic as in, big, as in not the boat. Um, I said, not, yeah, it's not hitting an iceberg. It's yeah, it's not hitting an iceberg. It was, I know because it's such a huge franchise, um, yeah. like, and it's it's historically been available. I mean, it's Skyrim, right? It's, it's yeah, I mean, you can you can play Skyrim. On the, you can play, yeah, you can play Skyrim <laughs> on the Switch. Again, yeah, it came out in twenty eleven. I I think something like Elder Scrolls and Fallout probably will be treated like Minecraft uh, in a way of just yeah. like like it's going out on everything, but. For example, if you get like an Evil Within three, that'll be an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, I mean, they they release Cuphead and Ori in the Blind Forest on the Switch, but that doesn't mean that we're getting Gears of War on the Switch. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't make sense to put Gears of War on the Switch. Um, no. Whereas like Cuphead and Ori, like I feel like would be able to find more of an audience on Switch. Yeah, um, well, they did. I mean, did, did yeah, exactly. Well. Like, I think when when they say they're going to do it on a case by case basis, I think that's probably accurate. I yeah. think they'll 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 have 
all the scenarios available to them for each game, and then they'll right. figure out which which way is the best way to do it. Right? Like the one at that's least, interesting I mean... to me is it, Starfield, not Elder Scrolls, because I feel like Starfield, not like it's it's been announced, um, but like not it's not like a it's not a, a franchise, right? Like that. That's ever come out before, so it's like, is that going to be an Xbox exclusive? Because I could see them making the case for it being an Xbox exclusive, just because what's a brand new Bethesda game studios game, right? Like, you're not taking it away from from anyone on PlayStation yeah. in that scenario because it was never on PlayStation. It's not like Elder Scrolls with a thirty year history of, attached to a PC, as it were. Yeah. Or for that matter, Fallout. Um, but the thing about Starfield is there would be nothing stopping them from releasing it exclusively on Game Pass platforms, which will include Xbox and PC, and then expanding it as they see fit once the, yeah. you know, in order to expand the, expand the tail of it. They would have that option. And that would be probably what I would expect them to do, honestly, possibly with Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls. There'll be some reason to get them on Xbox first, whether that's... Um, you know, just them being cheaper or having a more comprehensive DLC suite or just being a timed exclusive. Yeah. Like, I, I imagine, like you said at the beginning, um, somewhere in, in this discussion, it's Game Pass, right? It's that that is the reason. Like, games are going to be, new games are going to be $70. So you can, do you want to pay for the Elder Scrolls for $70 or do you want to just get it in Game Pass? And they get all these other two hundred games that also come with Game Pass, yeah. including all of. I mean, I think Xbox Studio. In as much as Microsoft might have a long term strategy for this, it might well be as simple as listen. This might be a strategy to get Game Pass on other platforms. Potentially, um... <laughs> you know, this might be a strong on Sony and saying, "Listen, if you want Elder Scrolls and Fallout on PlayStation, you know, we're not stopping you from you know, giving game, you know, using Game Pass." And you know, giving us a slice of your pie, and that sort of ties into sort of the epic Apple <laughs> battle, as it were, as to yeah. you know where, where money goes, re, you know, re um, platform holders and publishers. Yeah, it gets a little bit complicated so, in that in that scenario. Because I would imagine that in in the current situation, if, if Microsoft were to put such an offer to Sony, I think Sony's answer would be to tell Microsoft to shove it up their ass. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because obviously, yeah, like they don't want people subscribing to an Xbox yeah. subscription service on PlayStation, especially when they have their own subscription service, even though it works completely yeah. differently. And... But in terms of this specific statement from Phil Spencer, he's essentially saying nothing about nothing. No, yeah, it's like we could if we wanted Cause... to. Like we didn't like we didn't buy them and think, Whoa, now we get all their games. But at the same time, he's also saying like if we want if if we if we want to, we will. You know, like, and we'll see because yeah. the Elder Scrolls is fucking years away at this point, anyway. So it's yeah, it's exactly. Until not an issue, unless and until Zenimax releases something uh, besides the stuff that's going to be PlayStation Four exclusive because they're locked into contracts anyway. Yeah. It's it's kind of a non-issue and probably will remain a non-issue until they're releasing an exactly. Elder Scrolls Six, yeah. like something that big. Um, but I do think it's important to remember that this is that Microsoft's end goal is selling Game Pass. Yes. 100%. And beyond that, I, I I don't want to say they're platform agnostic, but the sort of like traditional console war is not necessarily their agenda. No, they're very much about inclusivity in terms of they're trying to get... 
they're trying to get as many people as possible to play because the barrier their their cost of barrier of entry is wide ranging right like if you've got oh i don't know a phone <laughs> like you can get game pass which comes with xcloud and you can and that's the cheapest point of entry for playing xbox games and you can go all the way up to to the xbox series x which is the most powerful console so they've got that wide range of just like whatever you can afford that's how much you can you can pay more or less um so Phil Spencer said it where it was like, um, I can't remember his exact wording, but he won six billion gamers or something like that. I can't remember the exact word, the phrasing of the quote. Well, that's, hy- that's hyperbole. Cause... It's, it's been a long, it's, it's, more, it's like a company speak to basically yeah. say we want, we want to be able to let, allow as many people as possible to play games. Well, no, what he, what the subtext of that is we want as many people as possible to pay for game Xbox games. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like to play Xbox games. But I can't really fault them for that for that part. <laughs> like we want as many people as possible. Oh no, I mean that's that's games. the thing is, like, <laughs> it's, you know, the corporate executives in the business of making money for the company. I mean that's not. I'm not blaming them. I just, I I don't think that we need to can or should read anything into this. No, no, you're absolutely no. right. Because yeah, we, the truth is that we, the truth is we don't know what Microsoft's policy regarding Bethesda games is going to be, and it, it's entirely possible that Microsoft doesn't know what their policy is going to be. I know. Well, I mean, the next, the next probably two Bethesda published games are both going to be on PlayStation Five, right? So because because of contractual obligation. Yeah. So so like it's like well yeah like they probably they're probably still figuring it out like when they're saying we don't have a plan for X what they're probably what Phil's probably actually saying is we've actually got plans for everything and right now we're trying to figure out which one's the best plan to go for yeah so it's like here's like, a number here are a number of scenarios which one makes us the most money short term long term which one sells us the which one sells us the most game pass subscriptions yeah i imagine there's some goodwill in the equation somewhere cuz uh what just i mean just as an aside i i think that what the bethesda purchase means more than anything is i think that they have thrown obsidian under the bus with this because I think that the the value of Obsidian to um, Microsoft was basically having um, uh, Bethesda Lite, <laughs> and just now they have the real thing. So I don't know. I, f- I feel like with um, Bethesda, Obsidian, and now in Exile, I feel like you could just make you, like no one could say Xbox isn't the place for Western RPGs. <laughs> Like, because they have a lot of the companies that make a lot of well-regarded Western RPGs. Um, I uh, think we're probably five to ten years away from Bethesda Softworks and Obsidian getting merged by Microsoft, honestly. Does that mean I'll finally get New Vegas too? <laughs> Why is everyone so desperate for New Vegas 2? I don't get it. I, think, I don't think it's necessarily literally New Vegas 2. I just think it's that... New Vegas was the best one, like of the modern Fallout. Um, like, but like substantially, like. In, I mean, when it ran, game. it was. I mean, yeah, but all the Fallout's were fucking busted as fuck when they came out. That one was super busted. Yeah, but they fixed it, and it was amazing. And it was an amazing game. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'll, I will. will will take Jank if you know the game is 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 exceptional. Like, I'm willing. I'm willing to. I I'm prepared to love things in spite of its flaws. Not because of them. 
like New Vegas was was head and shoulders um, above three. And I didn't four. finish New Vegas; it just didn't grab me. That's fair enough. I like I like, I like four a lot. I just I I do kind of think Boston was a very boring setting. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. The yeah, like the thing for me is just like the one and two. Like the writing was just so much stronger in one and two than in three. Three was a big letdown for for. But well, yeah, but it was yeah, but the number of people who worked on one and two and then the, who also worked on three is probably zero. Yeah. Like there is no overlap there. I think between oh, the old back as the like they're different games. They might as well have been different franchises, but they used the yeah. Fallout name to make it so it's like yeah i couldn't help but feel that pang of oh no <laughs> okay i'll just turn the radio on and ignore the story and i'll wander around this very pretty wasteland at the time it was yeah i think with the 3d fallouts you sort of have to take them based on what they are not what you want them to be or what or even what you think fallout should be no yeah that's fine yeah yeah no no absolutely because otherwise you'll never otherwise you'll never be happy I mean, I'm never happy. And then you turn into one of those angry old Fallout fans who were, you know, shitty before regular fans were shitty. Yeah, now everyone, now everyone, yeah, everyone's on my side now, Patrick. Fallout seventy six came out. <laughs> well, t- oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Like, besides, I've had my RPG. Like, when Fallout three came out, like, uh, like Western RPGs were kind of a bit on the ropes, but like. In, in in the intervening time, we've had the Mass Effect series, and we've had. The I mean, I'm going to 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 call I'm going to call bullshit on your statement by pointing out that Mass Effect came out a year before Fallout Three. Yeah, but Mass Effect Two came out. After. I mean, Mass Effect. I mean, Mass Effect Two is better. Come at me, but. Oh no, Mass Effect Two is better. That's, that that was kind of the point I was getting at. But we've also seen like Wasteland come back and. The Divinity Original Sin series are really amazing. Like, I couldn't be happier about how RPGs are at the moment. And The Witcher is a mainstream. And the Witcher is a thing. Yeah. Now. Um, and Assassin's Creed is an RPG now. Assass- I, don't... I mean, no. It's, well, it's not that Assassin's Creed is an RPG, but every video game is an open world climb every video fo- game is an climb a tower. And... Like. Oh look, another fifty to one hundred hour game! Yay! <laughs> I'm climbing a tower. I'm jumping into a hay bale. Now I'm leveling up my stats. Ooh, two point five percent damage increase! Yay! <laughs> oh no! I'm going down that road. So instead, I'm going to skip to the next news story. We're going to talk about game sales. Yay! Yay! We got the MPD September breakdown, and I was looking forward to this MPD breakdown, Parag, because it had Avengers in it, and I was very curious how Avengers was going to do. The top 10 best-selling games of September 2020. Number 1, Marvel's Avengers. Number 2, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Number 3, Madden NFL 20. Number 4, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Number 5, NBA 2K21. Number 6, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number 7, Crusader Kings 3. Woo! Number 8, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number 9, Star Wars Squadrons. Number 10, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And also in the top 20 was uh, as a new release was Crash Bandicoot 4 at number 11. Marvel's Avengers. Proof that you can have the biggest IP in the world and you can slap it on a game and it'll sell well no matter what. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm actually surprised at that because everyone seemed really down on Avengers. It's... I mean, I've talked a lot, but... I but it's it for, also the biggest IP in the world. So. Yeah, I played it for like 60 hours in like two weeks. Um, like, I... It fills a very specific place in my life in wherein, like, I listen to podcasts. And when I'm listening to podcasts, I also tend to be doing other things. Um, and one of the things I do is I, like, play, like, games that don't require much too much of my focus like i wouldn't listen to a podcast while i'm playing amnesia rebirth like but like avengers where it's like once i've done the story and it's like cool i'm just playing as cap and throwing a shield and stuff and it was just like yeah and all and all who oppose the shield must yield must yield yeah exactly like and they do so it, it's so it's basically filling an mmo niche for you it's, yeah it's like, i mean avengers sort of like it's in the destiny. same i mean yes it's in the same place. It sounds a lot like Destiny. Destiny. I haven't played it. Yeah. Like, it's it's in the same place as, like, Division and Destiny, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, this the campaign is really good. Like, I wouldn't recommend you spend full price on playing it, but it, it's a really good campaign with um, good, pretty decent writing, really good characters, um, some really nice character moments, excellent voice acting. Um and then, like, you get to the the mid-game and the end-game, where it's just, like, go do all these missions over and over again to raise your power level and get your gear and and grind, basically, until the, the next uh, the next content comes out, which we'll get to later. Um, but, yeah, like, it's number one because it's Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first patch they put out for Avengers fixed a thousand bucks. <laughs> Which tells you everything you need to know about how the game launched it. It was not ready. It should not have come out. And I'm talking to someone who enjoys the game. And I'm like, it shouldn't have come out. Like, fucking G. It was busted. <laughs> when it came out. Can I just ask a quick question? Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That's the one that came out last year? It is the one that came out last year. Did it get re-released or something? I don't it pay is, attention. It is sticking in there. Probably because of... Okay. Um, Warzone. The current difficulties. Warzone. Warzone came out right. in like March. And even though uh, that's a free to play separate game, when you download it, you end up in the in the Modern Warfare menus, if that makes sense. Right. Um and I like I I've had this theory because it suddenly resurged <laughs> in March when uh, when Warzone came out and it's been around ever since. Like I have this theory that it's because of Warzone. Okay. Um, which is why it's it's been hanging around. It's the best. Yeah, we'll get to that part in a moment. But is there going to be a Call of Duty this year? Yes, Black Ops Cold War. Oh right, yes. I forgot. Oh yeah, that's the one with like the digital ghost of Ronald Reagan in it. And it's, yeah. Yay! God. It's hard to keep track, like because COD normally has its time. Well, like, it usually comes out in November, so that's yeah. Cool. It'll have it'll have like it's time where year? like everybody scurries away from it, so it comes yeah. out and and but because it's coming out as more or less a launch title, um for for the next gen consoles, it's coming out with like twelve other games, um so it's easier to sort of go is COD coming out because you know Yakuza, Assassin's Creed, Cyberpunk, Spider Man, Demon mm. Souls, they're all coming out at the same time, um. I love the fact that Crusader Kings 3 got in the top 10. Yeah, that's really, really, that's really great to see, actually. Like, I tried it, because it's on Game I mean, Pass, um, and I couldn't get into it, but I love the stories, Parik. I love the stories. 
Yeah, well, making your horse pope and so forth. Yeah. So you you would think that Crusader Kings would be my favorite game ever, but I'm actually really terrible at it. Sam. I, I, so I don't know why. Because it does the thing that I don't know about about Crusader Kings 3 because I, I can't run it because I've got like a seven-year-old MacBook. But I, Crusader Kings does the thing that all the Paradox think games do in that they're not well tutorialized at all. No, not at all. Like I... Like <laughs> I downloaded it on Game Pass. I played through the like, tutorial, and I was—I the... feel like I was just as lost as when I started. Yeah, the tutorial is basically go watch a Let's Play on YouTube. Yeah, like I want to tr- do. Want to try and get into it before the end of the year, like because like it sounds amazing, but it's also—I I think like, if you know what's going on, it's absolutely magical. But it is not intuitive at all. No, not at all. Like I, I, I ended up just dropping it and playing something else. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I really am glad that it's, it's, it's finding an audience because it is, it is obviously, it is clearly, you know, and that's the Star Wars game. <laughs> it's been out longer than the Star Wars game, although that might be more reflection of the, um, the, the, the loss of kudos that the Star Wars games have had. Uh, yeah, which is that surprises me a little bit as well because Jedi was pretty well received last year. Um. Crash Bandicoot only coming in at eleven as uh, was a surprise to me. Like I assumed was this it? was gonna, I assumed nostalgia was just gonna destroy, like just throw it straight at the top. The I mean, I'm I'm not the person to talk to about this because I am the person who is continually surprised that anyone still cares about Crash Bandicoot, let alone they ever did. But then I have a very snobbish theory that the only people who like Crash Bandicoot are people who didn't play Mario sixty four. I mean, you say right, yeah, and then. Look at number two, Super Mario. And look who's number two. (laughs) Mario 64. (laughs) Um, Which is, I mean, a new new release Nintendo game these days seems to be guaranteed. Yeah. Somewhere high up on this. Which I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of angry about because I wonder if part of the reason why it's doing so well is because it's going to be a timed exclusive. And yeah, it should, I'm angry about and, that. And, but... and it's stupid that it's a timed exclusive. I mean, my only my hope is that what will happen is come March the 31st that the games will be available individually. But I hope this is not something that Nintendo or the wider industry is encouraged to doing because Nintendo just announced that they're re-releasing the original Fire Emblem um, on NES, localized for the first time, and that that's going to be a timed exclusive. Like, uh, and I hope yeah. this is not a thing that they're going to be doing because it's... It makes absolutely no damn sense, especially no. in an in area of digital downloads. I mean, I hope not too, because um, I tried out for the when we were doing the the weekly part of the review podcast a couple of weeks ago. I tried out Mario Brothers thirty five, um, the the mm. online one, which is also only going to be available until March. And Why? I mean, that's a, a battle royale. Like, surely that lives or dies based on its long tail. It's especially for Nintendo because they like, usually I, I have a very long tail. Yeah, I downloaded it and played it, and I thought it was great. And that just made me mad because I was like, "Well, it's going to be gone in six months." <laughs> like, yeah. but I'm really enjoying it, and it's like, I mean, oh. that's, I mean, that could go on two ways. It's either a flash in the pan, everyone's playing it for a week, and then it, it never gets a like a, a sustainable user base after that, or it's something people are still playing six months' time. Uh, yeah, like you'll find. I think I think it'll it'll still have a player. It won't have as big a player base. No game does, but it'll still still have a player base um, six months from now. Um, I just wonder how big a deal it's going to be. Like six months, five months, whatever it is now from from this podcast when we sit down to do the whole 
there's a new story because they took away the Mario games <laughs> and everybody's mad. Um, how big that mad, how big that that movement is. Um, <laughs> we've got some notes on on this uh, on this month's games, last month's games. Uh, launch month dollar sales of Avengers. I didn't write that part in. The launch month dollar sales of Avengers were the second highest for any superhero game in the United States history, behind Marvel's Spider Man. Super Mario 3D All-Stars generated the second highest launch month physical dollar sales of any 2020 release. Uh, and it was the sixth biggest launch month physical dollar sales for any Nintendo published title in history. Right, because people are buying the physical copies so they can flip them in March. For and the physical copies sold out. More. <laughs> people are doing that. People are going up putting them on eBay for hundreds of pounds. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, it, But that tells me two things. That's one, another reason why this is shitty, Nintendo. I mean, that, the, the actual fact, the note, tells me two things. One, um, Mario 3D All-Stars did sell really well. And two... Avengers sold incredibly well <laughs> because it sold better um, than than that. So that's like, oh, wow, okay. Um, the last note we have, Crusader Kings 3 generated the highest launch month dollar sales of any title published by Paradox Interactive. And that will continue to sell well for the next five years. We'll be in Humble Bundles and have a bunch of DLC. Yes. And it's in Game Pass if you have Game Pass for PC. Oh, is it? It is, yeah. That's how I tried oh, cool. it. Um, that, yeah, it's. Um, I can't remember if I'd, they only announced it like a little, little bit before uh, came out. But I feel like it was eighteen months ago. But uh, you know, time has no meaning, so it could have been like last time month. has gone. Like, yeah, we're in March again. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago. But I definitely saw like intro videos for it. Not that long ago. Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly run through the top 10 best-selling games of 2020 year to date. Number one, Call of, G Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number two, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three, The Last of Us Part 2. Number four, Man NFL 21. Number five, Ghost of Tsushima. Number six, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Number seven, Marvel's Avengers. Number eight, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Number nine, MLB The Show 20. Number 10, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Good on those games. That's all I've got really to say. And Avengers getting into the top 10 straight away was not a surprise. Mario 3D All-Stars will probably not last too long in the top 10. Well, no, um, because all, all the physical copies have been sold. Yeah, because oh. like October. Watch Dogs is out in October. So. Um, and I imagine that's going to sell quite well. Um, it's Marvel's Avengers is where I think the cutoff's going to be for... Because you got like Cyberpunk, Assassin's Creed, mm -hmm. COD. Those will definitely all be in the top 10. Because um, I don't want, I just don't want Final Fantasy VII Remake to not be in the top 10 best selling games of the year. <laughs> Call me selfish. <laughs> well. But, and I don't care that much. I just mean, in case anybody, like, I, I don't actually care all that much. Well, I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake is really good, but. It also, you know, you play it and you're done. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really have much of a long tail to it. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't consider playing it again, even though I absolutely love that. Um, right, what we got next? Oh, yes. Speaking of Avengers, 
Marvel's Avengers Next Gen version is delayed into 2021. This is from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. He writes, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics have delayed the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions of Marvel's Avengers until an unknown date in 2021. Until that point, you will be able to play the game via backwards compatibility, Crystal Dynamics said in a blog post. Although, of course, this won't be possible for those with copies of the game on disc who have bought a PlayStation 5 Digital Edition or an Xbox Series S. Quote, We've made the decision to shift our PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X last S launch to next year to ensure that we give our team the time to deliver a next-gen experience showcasing all that this game is meant to be. More details to come. Until then, however, you'll be able to continue playing the current-gen Marvel's Avengers game on next-gen platforms to take advantage of their powerful hardware, be it via inserting a physical disc or re-downloading the game. Two of the most obvious benefits of this are improved frame rates and faster loading times. In addition, players who make the jump to PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or S will still be able to play co-op with their friends on PS4 and Xbox One, respectively, as well as carry their existing save game forward to the next generation of consoles. End quote. The release of the game's next hero, Kate Bishop, is also being delayed. She was expected to arrive <laughs> with fellow Hawkeye Clint Barton shortly afterwards as a continuation of the same story arc. There's no mention of the PlayStation exclusive edition of Spider-Man, who was always scheduled for a 2021 release. Quote, We know fans are hungry for new content, but delivering a fun experience is our priority. With this in mind, we've decided to push Kate Bishop's operation launch back a bit out of October. We're sorry for this slight delay, but we're dedicated as a team to quality first. <laughs> in quote. Quality first, eh? Is that why the game came out in the, in the state it did? Crystal. It's, it's, it's a PR statement from an executive. What do you want? But it's funny. He's not going to say, yes, our game came out because it was busted because we released it too soon. Could you imagine if he did that? Just be like, yeah, we fucked I mean, it. I mean, it'd be great, but he'd be brushing up his CV the next day. He'd just so. be like, look, we're delaying Kate Bishop because we don't want that operation to launch in the same state we launched the game in. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, But if he said sorry sincerely and not like I just said it. Yeah, but he's not going to because that's No, not he's not going to. No, no. There's very few companies that can get away with that kind of communication style. None of them are AAA. Um, no. Avengers has got this problem where it... I can see why they're... Del- I, like, 2020, like, throughout 2020, if, if someone says, well, you need to delay a thing, I'm like, cool, I get it. it you're all working from home, coronavirus, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Cool. This, there's any any number of excuses this year. Pick one. Yeah, like, just pick one. But it, it, at the same time, Avengers has a problem where it needs content. It needs content right now. Like, the campaign is 10 to 15 hours long. Like, people are now starting to... Like, how long has it been out? Like... It came out at the beginning of September, right? Yeah. Like, it's, so it's, 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 it's been out, now. say, a month and a half, for the sake of argument. It's probably now, close, to two, close to two months now, yeah, actually. Yeah, it probably is actually closer to two months. But it's like it's been out for like a month and a half, two months, and people have been running through the same content over and over again. Even the people like me who are dipping in and out of it, uh, like the people who are, who are hardcore playing it and who played like a billion hours of it in the first couple of weeks are probably done with it, like burn out on it need new content but even people like me who are just dipping back in and out of it every now and again are all sort of the, to the point like speaking from experience where it's like we need more stuff to do <laughs> like i need like i need new stuff to do like i need this new character basically i need the new missions for this new character and the story that comes with it so here's my counter argument which is that now is probably not the time to be updating their game because it's going to get 
completely lost in the news cycle come November when new consoles, Call of Duty, Cyberpunk, etc., etc., get released. And right. that, as opposed to having a content drop in like the you know the doldrums of January, February, when people are actually actually able to talk about it kind of makes a lot more sense you, you, i mean you're right in that it, it it kind of sucks for the game now but as a long-term business decision it might make more sense to release it when there's potentially more eyes on it no i feel like it is it, it should hopefully as much as i i want to play it immediately um it should be because kate basic rocks um yeah she's a, the best she's the best hawkeye yeah um and like that's that's what happens there because the like because marvel have got a marvel comics have got a the, the stipulation with with avengers the game is that whenever you add a new character to the game they have to have a storyline like so they can't you can't just drop a new character in the game and be like cool now you can play as hawkeye it'd be like cool but there has to be a storyline and an introduction of the character so every character they drop in gets its own story their own storyline and i was really looking forward to this one <laughs> like I feel like dropping it in October would have been fine um, because it gives people who have the game a chance to play it one more time before Cyberpunk, Assassin's Creed, COD, new consoles, like whatever thing is going to consume their lives for November comes. Um, but yeah, it's like if they delay it and they push it into everything else that's coming out from like mid-November on, yeah. that would be a terrible idea because nobody's going to... Yeah. Like, people might want to go back to Avengers in, say, December, January time, but no, but like. They also might not. That's the thing. Yeah. But that's why this. Getting this DLC out ahead of all the big stuff would have worked in their favor more so than. Like, because you can drop Kate Bishop in January, but if everyone's forgotten about the game, then it kind of doesn't matter. Like, that's the issue they're currently facing. Because, not like. A lot of people who who are playing this game and have every intention of going back are going to drop it because there's there's something for everyone. I feel like happening in November, like I'm going to be consumed by Yakuza Seven. Like everyone's got a game that they're probably like really really looking forward to, um, coming out in November, or even a console, a brand new console to play them on. And uh, it's not great. It's not a great look for Avengers. Um, I will do this next one. Um, you made a prediction about this last year, and now it's all did coming I? to fruition this year about in-game advertising. Did I? <laughs> you did. Again, time has no meaning, so... <laughs> <laughs> you were a year early. 2K Games apologizes for the way unskippable ads were implemented in NBA oh. 2K21. Not the ads themselves. This is from Sharif Said of Review 24-7. He writes, 2K Games issued a statement uh, a couple of days ago addressing the negative press the NBA 2K21 has been receiving over the past few days as more and more players run into the game's unskippable ads, which play before episodes of the in-game 2K TV episodes. According to the publisher, the way the ads were implemented was the problem, not the ads themselves. Nevertheless, 2K Games vowed to fix the issue with future 2K TV episodes. Quote, As many are aware, in recent years, ads have been integrated into 2K TV segments. Yesterday's 2K TV ad placement impacted our players' experience in a way we didn't intend, as these ads are not meant to run as part of the pre-game introduction. This will be fixed in future episodes. Thanks for your continued feedback. 
end quote. And that's the official statement. It's like trying to watch a fucking YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the new multiple 15 second unskippable ads. Thanks, Google. Um, I mean, it, I shouldn't complain because, it, and, you know, it's like, I don't know about you, but now if I, I mean, not that I ever do, but if I'm watching terrestrial TV, it's like, and the ads come on, I just like mute them and do something else for five minutes. That's so, toilet break time, right? Yeah. So, like, a, maybe complaining about a 15 second ad in front of YouTube is a bit spoiled. But... No ads on this channel because we're not monetized. Yeah. Um, You're not selling mattresses or. No, if you ever see an ad, if you ever see an ad come up before this channel, it's because I've I've hit a, a content ID claim. <laughs> Something happened, and there's a content <laughs> ID claim on the video. Um, no, I so don't know. Like, yeah, go on, go for it. I, I mean, for me, like the the big. Uh, the, the big example I can think of, like advertising games that sort of worked well, was when Burnout Paradise did it, oh, and they would have like billboards and like they would have. I remember they had a campaign. It came out in two thousand eight. They had a campaign to for Barack Obama because um, they have billboards in that game, and it sort of like fits in quite naturally. And you'd think a basketball game would but sort of where could would you quite... put the unobtrusive yeah, adverts in basketball games? Well, yeah, exactly. It's like do they not have like a whole ring of adverts around the court? Pretty sure they do. I just watched yeah. The Last Dance on Netflix. I should be able to answer that question. But all I can think of is Jordan doing the dunks. Um, I'm pretty sure they do have adverts around it. Yeah, I mean, there's, the there's a more organic way to do it than just, you know, here's a reward from our sponsors, you know, Kentucky mustards, fried chicken, whatever. I don't know. Um, does it not feel to anyone else like NBA, just NBA 2K games just be, have become like this weird patriot dish for every shitty <laughs> monetization <laughs> strategy that's the Why video game industry get away with this year <laughs> yeah was it last year when they were they, they, it was the virtual coins um there was a thing well it was this year coins. when they, they they it was this year when they started being like they went they're like the sort of like the it was like the the big first game to go for 70 dollars it was. Um, it was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. Which, is, yeah, and that's probably overdue. I mean, I'm not going to say whether that's right or wrong, but it's probably telling that it's two K. Because I have had, I've, I've had my say on that. I probably shouldn't. Yeah, say because it. it's it's a game that sells a lot and which kind of has a mass audience and which gamers don't pay attention to <laughs> because it's you know a sports game. Yeah, I mean, sports games are cool. They have their place. Um, and obviously, they're incredibly popular. Um, but it also, they also have the absolute shittiest business practices. So like all like all the you know the hits, you know, the season passes, the um, loot boxes. All of the team, which is... They all passes. get, like, they all sort of, like, cling like oh, parasites to the Fifas, the Maddens, the 2Ks. They're not loot boxes, Patrick. Remember, they're surprise mechanics. They're like a Kinder Egg. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, you're right. Like sports games, generally tend to you generally tend to find that sports games do have the the worst kind of monetization practices. Like when it all blew because... up about Battlefront Two, I remember there was that subsection of people who played FIFA Ultimate Team who were just like, "This has been going on for years. All they've done is they've tried to take it from the sports game into the the non-sports game and trying to apply it there, and then 
but that's because that we yeah. we're all more like in terms of like podcasters and, and and journalists and people who talk about video games a lot on on social medias um they we're don't paying give attention to battlefront 2 as opposed to we're not so much paying attention to fifa no whereas on the other hand the people who buy fifa it might be the only game they play all year yeah, the only game absolutely. they buy all year and they're not plugged in to the video game scene at all yeah. and for them this is just it's like it's like the frog boiling waters like this, this is just how yeah this is just and how it works and the fact that they're not like super online you know and engaged all the time is probably the reason why this has become like the experimental ground zero for the crappy business practices <laughs> The experimental ground zero of crappy business practices. I, basically, what I'm what I'm saying is like there's a lot of ideas. That, and what I suppose I'm I'm grasping towards is that if they're doing this in NBA 2K, they're probably going to start doing it in Call of Duty in years' time, unless there's a backlash. Unless there's a backlash. I mean, and even then, uh, yeah, even then it's not 100% guaranteed. Like, but backlash isn't 100% guaranteed to stop something. And here's and here's the thing. I like I don't think advertisements in game are inherently. Well, you just Bad. brought up a good example Someone's, and gave a yeah. good example of how it could work in an NBA game. Yeah, it's like if it. Well, I mean, Cyberpunk's a bad example because it's, um, you know, it's said in the future. But <laughs> but if yeah, if it but if it was Watchdogs, say, and it's like in a fi- in a fictionalized version of a real modern city, and there were a bunch of billboards in the background, I don't think anyone would would, okay. uh, would blink. I mean, as long as it's not like for like Planned Parenthood or the Breitbart or something, but you know it's. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it'd be weird if it was Planned Parenthood. And, yeah, and I mean, it would sort of undercut the message of Watch Dogs, but, um, but I wouldn't put that past Ubisoft. No, it works. Like, yeah. It'd be, it'd right. be a bit like, weird if it was in Assassin's Creed, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, you just... Planned Parenthood. You know, you just, you're playing, well, yes, you're playing Assassin's Creed um, Valhalla and you're riding past Stonehenge, and suddenly there's a giant billboard telling you to vote for Trump. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, okay. Um, but there are, yeah, there's, there's there are places you can put yeah. it in where it's not obnoxious and gross. Well, like Call of Duty. You, you've got maps, right? I mean, those Call of Duty is an armored like, industrial military complex already. So. Yeah, but I mean, like, those maps may have bus stops and yeah. billboards and ruined buses and places where you can add, put ads, you know what I mean? Like, and they'll, they'll be there. And people are going to see them so many times because people play these games for thousands of hours and you could you could be creative with it like if you were doing it in like black ops cold war you could have like a sort of retro 80s ad or if you were i don't know coke you could run the ads that you had from the i mean they're not going to do this because no one's have got this kind of originality or yeah sure of course not or even the budget for it but it'd be cool play of the game brought to you by planned parenthood (laughs) like just like (laughs) or by betamax or something i don't know I mean, that's definitely not going to happen. That, no, that's what it'll be if it's going to be anything. I mean, you got to remember, the Call of Duty series is the same series that gave us loot boxes raining down on the beaches of Normandy. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be like Mountain Dew and Doritos and... Yeah. Um, Monster Energy. Yeah. Um, and um, what are those? Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets. <laughs> anyway. Let's move on. Sorry, I've ruined everything again. You haven't ruined everything. I love our conversations about this stuff. It's great. I need to have you on more. I would say I know I say that every time, but I really I'm just saying if it turns into if Call of Duty well, I was gonna say if Call of Duty turns into a dystopian nightmare, 
And then I remembered, so, oh, right, yeah. Uh, moving on. Look, if Breitbart starts putting ads in Assassin's Creed, I wanted to be known that I called it. Okay, I'll clip this, and I'll, I'll put it in a folder on my computer. If it ever happens, I'll bring it back out. <laughs> and I'll be like, see? See? <laughs> Patrick. Pat- and I'm... Hiya, Patrick. He clearly he's a better video game analyst than most video game analysts. Anyway. They said I was mad. But I just I could just see the future. <laughs> Speaking of dystopia, Sony releases free Black Lives Matter PS4 theme. This is from Taylor Lyles over at The Verge. He writes, Sony has provided a new way for PS4 owners to show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement inside their consoles. Today, the company, well, last week, the company released a new static theme on the PlayStation Store called the Black Lives Matter theme. The theme is available now for free on the PlayStation Store. Um, as you can see from the images above, I should have <laughs> proofread what I copy-pasted. It's this, like black and white with a raised fist. When the theme is enabled, the lower portion of the PS4's user interface displays a solid black wallpaper with a yellow outline of the black raised fist, a symbol associated with the movement on the right-hand side of the screen. The theme displays the hashtag BLM across a striped grey background on the upper side of the UI. Go so I downloaded it straight away. Oh, same. <laughs> like, I, um, haven't I, haven't... Changed, I haven't changed my Final Fantasy VII one, but... Well, I haven't changed it because I've changed it back to the Layers of Fear one because it's really good for Halloween. Wow, that's good. Because it's spooky. Everybody's gone to the Rapture. There's, there's a good um, dynamic theme as well. I'm using the FF7 remake one I've been using all year. Yeah, I've been using that for months, actually. It, it, I mean, it, it makes the, the, the menu theme Final Fantasy music. Like, yeah, it to... like plays... Um, oh, God, what's it called? Those Who Fight. Yeah, I don't oh, know. I forget what. Isn't that just Tifa's theme? Oh no, I oh I I I got the I got the premium one when I up my uh, PlayStation Plus subscription, so I get the one that's it's like cloud looking up at the Shinra building and it plays the battle music. Uh, I've got the Tifa Starry Night right. sitting on the on the uh, the well. Um, okay, that's cool. Um, I mean, the BLM theme's nice. There's a lot less effort put into it compared to the International Women's Day one. Or the yeah. pride one. But it probably it probably got put together a lot quicker. Um I do think it's kind of I don't want to say it's weird because it's it is nice, but on the other hand, it's not like anyone's gonna see it. Yeah. You know, it's like if it's just your console theme, it's not like you're saying to the world, yes, I support Black Lives Matter. Well, people ever see mine every now and again on a stream, but I get what you mean. Yeah. I mean the the comments to the announcement were pretty much what you'd expect. No, it it, it was the yeah. It was the reaction that. Yeah, it's you, you click on the post. It was, and, it's and like just, inevitable as the fucking dies. Yeah, I just went looking for it because I knew it was. I knew it was there somewhere. Um, oh, I just went on Twitter like block, block, block. Exactly. See, <laughs> if anyone here's got a blue check mark, they're just. I'm just gonna block them, and then right. I never have to. Yeah, yeah, like ooh, ooh. But my favorite was um, there was a thread. Um, by the time I got there, uh, there was a thread like partway down. And uh, and so it was someone with the same take as, as about two hundred other racist assholes. Yeah. Um, of well, I'm gonna buy an Xbox now. They've never supported Black Lives. That'll Black. show. That'll show them. And then the reply, someone replied them with just like, "Sure about that?" And it's a screenshot of Xbox supporting Black Lives Matter. And then and then the guy responded to that tweet by saying, "Well, I'll get a Nintendo." And then someone else replied underneath with, "Yeah, about that." And then it was a screenshot of Nintendo supporting Black Lives Matter. And then, uh, 
And then it got me thinking, it was like, huh. Like, if all of these racists were serious about not supporting a company that support a Black Lives Matter, they'd have to stop playing video games and we could be rid of them forever. I have a squirrel living on my Animal Crossing island who greets me with, fuck the police. (laughs) Oh, I miss Animal Crossing. I haven't played it for a long time. Oh, there's a Halloween update now. It's basically just grinding pumpkins. Is it better than the Egg Day update? Oh yeah, it's much better because it's optional. You just grow some pumpkins and then you make some like spooky decorations. I like it. Um, uh, I need to play. Yeah, I haven't played it for ages. I might get back into it in the new year because I do like it, it hit at the right time for me. Well, just obviously it hit at the right time for everyone yeah, because yeah. no one has yeah. anything to do. But <laughs> like... I, mean, I'm, I mean, I've been starting to wind down. Like in September, I finally stopped playing it daily. Yeah. Um, but then they did the Halloween event, and I was so I was like right like, back in Halloween. Yeah, obviously. You know, oh, I'm gonna well, yeah, I'm gonna be in for Halloween. But then it's like I might stick around in November just because I like the aesthetic and like the island's like nice and autumny now. Like I love, I love the game, and I loved my like my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like checking in with them every day and stuff like that. But yeah, I did sort of drop the game around about July time, I think June, July time. Um, I kind of just. Got I think a lot point of people, where I'd, I think a I'd lot of did. sort of felt like I'd gotten everything I wanted out of it. Yeah, I'm sort of I've reached that point now. But I might I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm sure. 100 and 200 hours, I think. Maybe. Well, I think we all played it far too much. <laughs> I mean, we we had no choice, right? Like, <laughs> what else were we gonna do? <laughs> Go outside? Couldn't do that. Anyway. Got the last news story, and then we'll get into everything else. Bloodlines 2's senior narrative designer Cara Ellison has left the project. This is from Andy Chuck over at PC Gamer. He writes, In August, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 developer Hardsuit Labs announced that it had parted ways with both lead writer Brian Mitsoda and creative director Kai Clooney. Reasons for their release weren't given, but Mitsoda suggested that it wasn't a happy split, saying that he was unaware of any problems, and that his firing came as a complete surprise. Uh, today, a publisher, Paradox Interactive, confirmed that senior narrative designer Cara Ellison has also left the project and is no longer with developer Hardsuit Labs. Rumours about Ellison's departure began to swell after fans noticed that she'd removed references to the project from her Twitter profile. Armella developer League of Geeks also recently announced that Ellison had joined it as a senior narrative designer. Quote, We can confirm that Cara Ellison has decided to leave Hardsuit Labs and is no longer working on Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, Paradox spokesman said. Cara brought fresh ideas to the project, and many of her contributions will be present in the game launching next year. We thank her for her work on Bloodlines 2 and wish her the best in all of her future endeavours. It's possible that the move reflects the natural evolution of Bloodlines 2 development, that the narrative design is finished and so Ellison's work was effectively done. But in August, Bloodlines was delayed into 2021, suggesting that work was definitely not nearing completion. And it's not hard to see the removal of Mitsoda and Clooney a week later as a sign of deeper trouble. The statement that many of her contributions will be present in the game is also interesting. I would expect that as a senior narrative designer, the story it tells will be primarily her responsibility. Paradox declined to comment on when Ellison... Paradox declined to comment on when Ellison left the project or how it will impact the development of Bloodlines 2. Parag, I need to help keeping the faith in in this game coming out and being good. Um, um I'm worried. You're worried. Why are you worried? Because everybody's leaving. Like <laughs> Mitsoda. That doesn't necessarily fired. mean it's that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. That could just mean that they just don't want to work on it. Like it might well be that 
Well, Kyle Ellison, Kyle Ellison left, I'm guessing. Um, but like Brian Matsuda and Kai Clooney got fired. And they were I mean, the Kyle Ellison might well... lead, writing, lead writer. And yeah. And it's entirely possible that Ellison's left because the game is at a point where you can't really impact it narratively. That might well mean there's nothing for them to do. I, I hope so. But Brian, um, Brian Matsuda was also the guy that they brought back from the original, the writer they brought back from the original Bloodlines. Like, and the reason why I was excited for this being a sequel because... Yeah, but the original I, Bloodlines was a mess. Like... Yeah, but gameplay wise, not in a right like writing wise, like the story and the worlds and the characters were the reason why everybody loved it, despite the fact that it was incredibly horrifically broken. Um, and like the reason why, because like if this had just been we're bringing back Bloodlines and it didn't have anyone from the original development team, it would have been like, all right, cool, you know, like I wouldn't have been like, oh my god, they're doing it, like I was knowing that they brought back the lead writer from the first one to to the second one, and then they fired him. And now they also fired the creative director, and now the other writer, senior narrative designer, has also left, and now I'm like, I'm nervous. And the game's been delayed, and I don't... I mean, I think think the the delay could be due to any number of things, up to and including the current difficulties. That is true, yeah. So that's not necessarily a sign that things are going... Badly. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I had a concern, and it's it's kind of a nothing concern, really, it's that I worry that it might be hewing a little too close to the original. I'm thinking things like bringing Courtney Taylor back to play Damsel, which is cool, but I worry that that means it's sort of suggest it's going to be a bit kind of more fan servicey and more sort of like in service to the original bloodlines and rather than sort of carving out its own identity but that's 100 speculation on my part yeah like they haven't really seen that, that much of the, not, of the story of it um it, really. I, I mean i would think you know if you want if you want some comfort i would think for a project on this scale you know a sort of I don't want to say a B tier RPG, but that's that's not fair. But it's not Cyberpunk. No. But no. even so, there's probably still quite a number of writers on it. Like, you know, the 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 chief narrative designer is not gonna be writing every subquest or every piece of dialogue. Like there's gonna be like a team of copywriters and people writing subquests no, yeah, and even no. writing dialogue for characters. I mean that's how Bioware does do things. Like they have individual writers writing. Don't even Bioware right now. Jesus, I thought you were trying to comfort me. <laughs> Sorry, that's how Bioware. <laughs> okay, that's how Bioware did Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Is they had like a, an individual writer write a character essentially. Yeah, no, yeah, and... I've, I've, I think I read uh, that in someone's book or something. But um, no, yeah, um, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, it, I'm nervous. I, I mean, that's seen this happened before, and it's never you know, turned out well. <laughs> I mean, it might be they got. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, paradox. I mean, this is getting away from video games a bit, but Paradox like came in with an absolute brush. I mean they sacked white essentially shut down White Wolf. Yes. Over yes. them being shitty. So that's one way I put it. But yeah, know, they, no, they, yeah. So they have form with this. Like I I the, the the example I keep thinking is I think about all the MCU films and the Star Wars films where very capable creative types like Edgar Wright and Colin Trevorrow 
left or got kicked off the project and the finished project was still fine. Like I remember people worrying about Rogue One because there were a bunch of reshoots and Rogue One's really good. I mean, and people worrying when Edgar Wright get, got kicked off Ant-Man and Ant-Man is still really good. That's true. However, your third example yeah. was Colin Trevorrow and that led to the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, okay, fine. But I'm, I'm going to take some comfort in your words, Patrick. I'm only, I'm only nervous because this, this, this is this one. This one feels a little, a little personal. Like, yeah, no, I'm. I mean, I take great comfort in knowing that the original Bloodlines was a broken mess, and therefore that this could well be a broken mess. But it's also going to come out in 2021 when we can patch these things. Yeah, like that's the difference between we're, this and we're, and we're not going to do it. We're not going to shut the entire company down almost immediately, like Activision did. Uh, when they released the first one, like I, I still, I have, I have faith, but that's good enough for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that it's, you know, it's necessarily a good sign, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad one. That's good enough for me. Because Ellison didn't work on the project very long, and probably, contrary to what they're saying, probably didn't have that much of an impact. And it might well be that, you know, they said, you know what, I can't do anything new and creative with this at this stage, so I'm out. I want to believe. We don't know because we don't know how much of the narrative work is done and finished. Yeah, I guess we don't really know how much of the game. It's not like it's like, oh, it's coming out in January. It's coming out in December next year for all we know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it was it was due to come out. Um, by due to come out early 2020 was the original. Um, but, but. And then it was now, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> But everyone started working from home, so I got pushed back. No, of course. Yeah, 100%. Uh, right. Announcements. Ooh, I, heard, I heard myself say that back through my iPhone. <laughs> I said that too loud. Um, okay, we got some announcement. game reveals. Arkham Horror Mother's Embrace is coming in 2021 to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. This was Mansions of Madness, and they've yeah. decided to pivot and turn it into Arkham I think that's a brand recognition thing more than anything. Probably. I feel like, yeah, probably. Uh, Darkest Dungeon 2 is launching in early access in 2021. Well, I know some I people who predicted gonna... that. <laughs> I know it's going to be 3D. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Some people I know are going to be very excited for that. Not me. I I I really really re I have bought Darkest Dungeon three times and I really want to actually play it, but I find it very stressful. Exactly, like that was where because I, 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 I love the aesthetic. It looks cool. It's cool. Like the people who make it, I, I seem cool, but it's like I, I just it just destroys me. It's a stress management simulator. <laughs> so I'm just like I'm cool, I'm good. But then I play Bloodborne, so I'm like, wait, wait, hang on. Wait, hang on. Well, Blood Bowl, <laughs> I'm in the exact same place, and I really wanted to have an easy mode because just because I want to like experience the narrative. It's excellent, but yeah, like you say, it's also very particular and demanding. Like, um, I'm sorry, but you know, come at me. But I know you've played it because I know I see I saw you tweeting about it once. Yeah, but I've only I haven't beaten Father Gascoigne. I'm just like I don't want to play that. Father Gascoigne, yeah, that's the problem. Father Gascoigne is the the check. It's the skill check of like you have to know how to do certain things. And it and it it stopped me the first time I played it, and I could totally understand why. Um, 
not judgment on anyone who doesn't want to play Bloodborne because Jesus demanding. No, I do uh, want to play Bloodborne. But the problem is, I, I mean, kind of do want there to be. Yeah. I wish, I wish all yeah. games had proper difficulty settings. Um, that'd be nice. Uh, Strategy Valley is also getting split screen co-op sometime in the future. Uh, we got some release dates. Yes, those are all release dates, sort of. Humankind is coming April 2021. Dirt 5 will be a launch title on PS5, so November 12th in America and November 19th over here. Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle. A 64-player battle royale launching November 17th exclusively on Google Stadia. <laughs> Actually, Pac-Man Battle Royale is a no-brainer. I'm surprised no one thought of that. Yeah. After Tetris and Mario, you think yeah. Pac-Man 2. Google Stadia exclusive, so it's going to... So it'll be ex- on everything else in six months. Yeah. Uh, the Sims 4 Snowy Escape expansions coming November 13th. If you're into that kind of thing. But if you're in... Uh... But I was going to say not paying for games, but not paying for games or paying less... <laughs> We're trying to figure out because we each we split this up into into headers, so reveals, release dates, delays, other. But for the Games Pass slash Games with Gold slash PS Plus games slash free games slash bundles, we haven't figured out a convenient title yeah. for this subheader yet. And I keep throwing things, and none of them are stuck. <laughs> um, free games on Epic this week: Costume Quest Two and Layers of Fear Two are both free until October twenty ninth. Which is bullshit. It should be till after Halloween. <laughs> Unfortunately, Halloween is on Saturday, and they uh, changed the games up on Thursday. <sighs> um, launching uh, to be announced to be launching on Game Pass: Grim Fandango Remastered, Day of the Technical Remastered, and Full Throttle Remastered are all launching on console and PC on October twenty ninth. Wait a minute! Full Throttle is not a Halloween game. <laughs> I think it was more of a LucasArts. Yeah, yeah, LucasArts. Um, I choose thing. to believe. That it's an Halloween selection. It is. It's a Halloween. Clearly. Uh, there was a new charity game bundle announced. Safe in our world. First anniversary charity game bundle. Uh, you pay a minimum of £4.65. Which goes to Safe in our world. A mental health charity. And it includes eight games. Gree, Diarasta, Avicii, Invector, Ryan, The Town of Light, Fractured Minds and Meadow. It's a good bundle. Yeah, so less than what you can get Gree for yeah, on Switch when it's on sale because <laughs> Nintendo tax. Yeah. Um, and in other news, Devolver Digital acquired Crow Team, the Serious Sam developers. So I guess Serious Sam for Devolver. That's a good fit, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I guess uh, Serious Sam 4 did well because they just went and said, yeah. Come, come live with us in our crazy Devolver Digital <laughs> world. Uh, we've got a content drop with uh, four articles uh, on the drop. So these are articles that we've read and we think are cool. And we think you should read them. And all the links are in the description below the video on YouTube and in the audio and in the descriptions of all the audio podcasts. Uh, the first one is a Games Industry.biz article. Um... Which is basically a, uh, some black professionals on representation in the UK, um, and, and that's what they're talking about. It's 
cool. <laughs> I don't know much more. What did I say about much more than that? It's a cool article. Go check it out. Um, the second one is from Kotaku. Um, talking talking the truth about Biden's Animal Crossing Island. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> stories. <laughs> Which is like the opposite of what AFC did on yeah. Twitch, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, like six months too late, and six months too late, and Biden didn't make yeah. the Animal Crossing. No, Island, of course he didn't. Biden just never. Biden does not know what Animal Crossing is. <laughs> Biden doesn't know what any of this means. What? It's Japanese. What? Um. Yeah, and it's just that the title is Biden's Animal Crossing Island is lovely. Vote, I mean, please vote for Biden, please. But please vote for Biden, Jesus, please, God, please. If you live in America, please, we encourage you and beg you. I beg. <sighs> Like go out and please go out and vote for him, please. Yes. Um, the next two articles, both from PC Gamer. The first one is titled "Watch Destiny YouTubers Read Out Salty Comments from Cheaters Who've Had Their Aimbot Shut Down." So it's actually a video in an article, but it's really entertaining because there was this aimbot that had kind of flown under the radar, and Bungie found out about it and shut it down, and then a bunch of um users of the aimbot got quite cross and their salty comments got read out by destiny youtubers <laughs> and it's quite funny and lastly there's an article about phasmophobia the new um game that's taking twitch by storm that i can't wait to play with friends um which is also really good which is also really it's just I don't know if it's just as much, but it's also really fun to watch as well as just play. Um, do you you know what Phasmophobia is? Or... I know vaguely, but I've tried to watch videos of it. I just think it looks really kind of ropey and dated. I mean, it's a, I don't really know what it's about. It's an early access game. So it's, um, it's a multiplayer horror co-op game where you take up the four people. You're a team of paranormal investigators. Um, you go to haunted locations to figure out what type of ghost is haunting the house, school, asylum, whatever. So you basically approach it like... Imagine something like Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunter, whatever the fuck they... Those ghost shows from the, the 2000s um, where they went to haunted locations and captured yeah. stuff on footage. Now imagine that, but it's real. Oh, it's, so it's like porn stars and poltergeists. Yeah, it's like it's four of your mates and you go in. <laughs> or whatever like, it was called. Yeah, most haunted. Let's go with that. Most haunted. It's like most haunted, but it's you and three of your friends. It, the ghost is real. It can kill you. The ghost is actually real. And you and you have to try and like gather the evidence with all of the like you set cameras up and like it's got voice. Good. Recognition. It's the witching of ghosts. Yeah, it's got voice right because you don't bust the ghost. You're the pre-ghostbusters. Um, but you, it's got voice recognition in it, so like the ghost can hear you. Um, so like you can say its name to try and like get it to do stuff. Um, in the house and stuff like that. Ask it questions. Like there's a, a Ouija board and a, a spirit box in the game. Um, I was talking to Jack. Um, he's someone who I know who is playing it. And he was saying, like, that it was a ghost that only did, like, did stuff mostly on when someone was alone in a room. Um, and he was saying, like, um, his friend had just started playing it and he was in the room and he was trying to pick something up. 
and he didn't know how to do it. So he asked over the voice chat with the spirit box behind him. Um, and he said, how do you pick stuff up? And then the, the spirit box said F, which is the key binding for picking stuff up. <laughs> All right, and then it's, and then it's this little like Japanese girl appeared behind, like the spirit box. Yeah, it's like the thing that scans through all the radio frequencies really quickly. So that didn't make yeah, it, it's a real world ghost hunting tool. Um, yeah, but apparently it was like the ghost told them. <laughs> but like it's super, it's kind of like really cool. Like as an idea, like you just get some friends in, you go ghost hunting, ghosts try and like scare the crap out of you. Um, but it can also hear what you're saying and. There's like special trigger words and stuff. Um, if you're shouting, apparently that makes it worse. Um, like if you're like panicking and screaming and stuff, like the ghost gets worse. Um, I haven't played it myself yet, but I want to get a I want to get a spoopy ghost hunter squad together at some point and, and try this out because it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm down for hunting ghosts. Tis the season. Tis 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 the season. I mean, I think that it's getting a lot of buzz. I imagine Phasmophobia's got to be on consoles within six months, right? Yeah, probably when whenever it finishes early access, they'll probably launch it on consoles as well. Um, it's obviously, at the minute, being an early access game, most early access games don't hit consoles. Um, just purely because of the cost of certifying every single patch uh, mm-hmm. updates. Um, but like, you know, if I play it, it'll be on the weekly review, which is our other podcast where we talk about games we've been playing. That comes out every Monday on youtube.com slash words about games UK and podcast services around the globe. Patrick, bunch of games yes. coming out next week. <laughs> you like it when games come out. I'm going to tell you about them. On October 27th, Carter comes out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Cardo is a charming adventure game wrapped around a unique world-altering puzzle mechanic. Use his power to explore mysterious islands, help a quirky cast of characters, and guide Cardo on a journey back to her family. Uh, if you want to say anything about any of these games, you just chime in. I can't remember if we used to read the the descriptions. I'll, the I'll last be honest. Time you were here. I don't know what most of these are, so don't worry about. It. No, that's. Fine. Um, I just. I, mean, I, I know that I know of the next one. But I, I don't know. It's just I can't remember if we used to do this last time you were on the podcast. So I thought. Oh no, not, not last. Not last you time. Feel, you feel you feel free to just jump in whenever you want. Oh, don't don't worry, I will. Uh, also on October twenty seventh, we've got Ghost Runner coming to PC, PS four, and Xbox One. Ghost Runner offers a unique single player experience, fast paced violence combat, and an original and an original setting that blends science fiction with post apocalypse themes. I feel like we have a wooden name for that. Indeed. I think we do. I can't think of it right now, though. Mm. It tells the story of a world that has already ended and its inhabitants who fight to survive. Yes, that sounds like a very unique single-player experience from that. Incredibly unique. I I can't think of any fast-paced violent combat I I mean, it does... I mean, fair to Ghost Run, it does look interesting, but that description does it no favours whatsoever. No, I mean, I just copy-paste the descriptions, and sometimes yeah. I do make fun of them. Um, also on October 27th, The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4 comes to PS4. The long-awaited finale to the epic and 
Golfing a continent comes to a head in the final chapter of the Trails of Cold Steel Saga. That was a difficult sentence to read. <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Well, there's a lot of adjectives. Yes. To the epic engulfing a continent. And long-awaited should be hyphenated, but hell. Long-awaited finale to the epic engulfing a continent. I feel like there's a word missing. Anyway. Sure it is... It is it is grammatically correct, but they're using epic as a noun. And ah, I think that's okay. throwing, throwing us off. Okay, cool. It's it's got a following. I've always wanted to check the games out, but it's like there's like a lot of Trails of Cold Steel Four, I'm pretty sure the series has got like nine games in it and they're all like sixty hour RPGs, and I'm just like, who's got the time? Whenever tired, maybe. On October twenty eighth, Swan Yan Sword Seven comes to PC. Zuan Yan Sword 7 is an ARPG rooted in Chinese history and mythology. Players take on the role of Taishi Zhao, a calm and reliable swordsman who is accidentally involved in a tragic fate. To protect his beloved family, he starts a journey in this chaotic realm to find the truth. And also on October 28th, Song of Horror Complete Edition comes to PS4 and Xbox One, a third-person fixed-camera survival horror adventure. Fear the presence, a mysterious entity you cannot fight, Stay alert, hide, breathe slowly. Explore cursed places where unseen spirits and lost souls linger in a true horror story for the ages. You know when I said I copy-pasted all of the descriptions? Mm -hmm. I might not have copy-pasted this one. This next one. On October 29th, Watch Dogs Legion comes to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Google Stadia. In Watch Dogs Legion, you get to build a resistance to take back a near-future London that is facing its downfall. In a game published and developed by Ubisoft, a company that spent years covering up for sexual abusers, sexual harassers, racists, transphobes, sexists, and more. Do you think that's fair? Um, yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, I do. I will remind I will remind people that this is a thing for at least the rest of the year. <laughs> um on October thirty sorry. I did it with the last game that they released as well. Moody just died laughing. Oh, you do. I just don't like them very much right now. No, the people working there, most of them I mean, are that's, cool. That's like, that is fair and understandable. Um, anyway, on October 30th... I'm probably, I'm probably still... Spoilers, I'm probably still going to get Assassin's Creed. Maybe not at lunch, but... That's absolutely fine. No, no not judgment. Not everyone... I mean, I, I mean I, I, listen, I'm the okay. first to cancel people if I think they're being... A very small mad. percentage in proportion of people... But not everyone who works in Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah, we've 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 obviously done the discussion yeah. to, to death, but yeah, no, like... Most of the people that work at Ubisoft were the victims of this, rather than yeah, I think it's, the perpetrators. It's good that these things get called out. And like, if you want to buy Watch Dogs Legion, you go right ahead and buy and play Watch Dogs Legion. That's yeah. totally I mean, my cool. my lack of interest in Watch Dogs Legion is got is not directly related to Ubisoft's current situation. It's that I it has a very Brexity vibe, and I'm just not in the headspace for that because they literally described it as a post Brexit game. Yeah. Um, but it's not political, which that is the thing I do hate about about Ubisoft when they bring out this fucking bullshit, cowardly. You know, oh, it, 
it's not political. It's like when they say the Division Two is not political and Watchdogs is. It, of course, it's fucking political. Everything is political, especially the stuff you do. Well, some of it, Division Two, Ghost Recon, um, but no, like it's it's the same extent to Assassin's Creed and anything else that Ubisoft makes. Like, if you buy it and play it, you buy it and play it. You support those developers. Of course, it's political. The decision, the decision to have a female protagonist or not is political. It's politicized. I don't know if it should shouldn't be political. It should just be artistic. But anyway, uh, on October thirtieth, Pikmin Three Deluxe comes out on Nintendo Switch. Command, I mean, Pikmin 3 more political, I'll grant you. A capable crop of tiny creatures and explore a hostile planet in this exciting blend of action and strategy. Seek out valuable items, solve puzzles. I don't understand. And apparently that turned my Google on. <laughs> she didn't understand, so it's fine. Seek out valuable items, solve puzzles, and overcome powerful creatures in a richly detailed world full of surprises. And lastly, on October 30th, the Dark Pictures anthology Little Hope comes to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. <clears throat> Trapped and isolated in the abandoned town of Little Hope, four college students and their teacher must escape the nightmarish apparitions that relentlessly pursue them through an impenetrable fog. Ooh. I just realised that they named the town Little Hope. They did. And I'm kind of angry at it. <laughs> <laughs> Man of a Dime was fun though. Like, was it? I didn't. I didn't play it. I played it with uh, Keith and Russell on a charity stream because um, they they have How... a thing where you can switch characters. You can switch can people can people pick characters and you can like pass the controller around. Obviously, we're not doing How that. How similar is it to Until Dawn? It's pretty similar to Until Dawn. Which um, I speak of games play for Halloween. I still have not finished, and I should. But again, it makes me feel really anxious. It's scary again. Uh, Miami Dan is also a scary game, and I'm assuming this will be too. Um, but yeah, like it's got this fun. The, the the Dark Pictures anthology has like a fun multiplayer component to it, where it's like you can play it like cooperatively, where you pick characters, and when your character's on the screen, you're controlling it, and then another character, like because like in, in Until Dawn, it'll switch between all the different characters depending on the scene. So then you pass the controller to whoever's controlling. It's it was a lot of fun when we played it. Um, like that and I'm playing it with Moody on Twitch probably next week <laughs> maybe um, we haven't organised it yet but we'll see should we play Open Critic head to head I mean if you like <laughs> you get to be you get to stand in and pick a and, and, and uh, pick a score for Moody it's going to be fine um, Open Creek Head Head, it's the game we play every week here where myself and Moody and now Patrick <laughs> try to guess the Open Critic average of one upcoming game. Whoever gets closest to the score gets one point. If you manage to guess the score correctly, you get two points. Uh, last week was a bit weird. Um, so the week before last, we tried to guess the Open Critic average of Remothered Broken Porcelain. Um, that game didn't have a score last week, and now it does. Um, last week we tried to guess the open critic average of Amnesia Rebirth, so we got two basically happening at the same time. Um, Remothered Broken Porcelain, I, I guessed it would get an open critic average of seventy. Moody guessed it would get an open critic average of seventy nine, and 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 it has an open critic average at the time of recording of forty. 
Um, yeah, I don't know what you two were thinking. The first one was good. Um, and it actually did get like a 75, I think, uh, on Open Critic. Um, but having played this one myself. So it yeah. is appreciably worse than the first one. Yes. Yes. Very, in, very. In what way? Um, is it just a broken mess or? It's definitely a broken mess. Um, but the underlying game has its issues from a design standpoint as well. Um, I talk about it a lot in the podcast we put out on Monday, uh, the weekly review episode three. Um, if you want my like expanded thoughts on it, but yeah, it's a broken mess that's not really well designed, even if you get past the bugs. Um, and then I hit a game breaking bug and decided to end it there and then. Right. <laughs> that's fair. Um, uh, we also last week guessed, tried to guess the open critic average of Anisha Rebirth. I guessed it would get an 82. Moody guessed it would get an 85. And at the time of recording, Amnesia Rebirth has an open critic average of 80. So I got two points. One for each game. Although I, I feel like, like you shouldn't get it if you go over. I feel like it should be Price is Right rules. Nah, know, so. if it was Price is Right rules, I thought about it, but no. We, we, I mean, you saw what happened with Remothered. I mean, yeah. But... The biggest clusterfuck was when we tried to guess the open critic average of Warcraft 3. <laughs> the, oh, the re the, the re, -re, 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 -re Oh, God. Re -re yes. yeah. I, wouldn't, I feel like I won that one by default just because my. Is that thing fixed yet? Moody. I don't know. I've never checked. Um, it leaves the current scores at Amy 19, Moody 18, with three draws. Um, normally, at this point, I would go through the entire list of all the games that we've guessed, but I'm not going to do that because Moody's not here. Um, all I'm going to do is move on to this week. We're guessing the open critic average of Pikmin 3 Deluxe. As always, um, normally I would let Moody go first. This time I'm going to let Patrick go first. Patrick, what do you think the open critic average of Pikmin 3 Deluxe is? So I'll admit that I cheated and looked at what the uh, Metacritic average was oh, for no, that's not cheating. Pikmin 3 when it came out. Um, not on the Wii U, and it was like in the mid '80s, um, which I think is high. I mean, I say that. I mean, I, Pikmin is actually. I've never played a Pikmin game. It's probably, though, I think about it, the biggest first party Nintendo franchise that I've never played at all. Um, so I, I think it's probably going to rank lower than it did on the Wii U, just because of how these things work. So I'm going to say I'm about seventy-five. 75. Probably a bit harsh. Eh, I mean, you say that, but Remothered, Broken Porcelain got a 40. I mean, I say that, but there might be that there aren't many reviews and they're all going to be like glowing positive. Yay, let's get it. No, I'm going to say 75. All right, cool. Um, not for any fault of the game. I don't think the game's gotten worse. I just think it's just not, no, it's not going to have a massive impact. Um, yeah, no. Um, I'm going for 79 because. I feel like I want to go, like just basically at eight. I want to go for like the step below eight, essentially. Um, yeah. is where I think it's going to end up around about there. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm scoring yeah. it low. I definitely am scoring it low because I think it's probably going to get in the eighties. But I'm going to say no. I'll say seventy-five. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, at the end of the day, it's Moody who <laughs> does or does not. Yeah, well, yeah, based it's on this, so it's, it's not your problem. <laughs> 
I'm sure he will bitch and moan and complain if you if you if if you don't get the point, and I'm sure he won't mind if you do get the point. Um, that's it for the show. Um, normally we do a post-show discussion where we literally talk about anything we feel like. I think last week we talked about Avengers. The week before, I'm pretty sure we talked about F1. Um, <laughs> what, film event. Um, no, we talked about the game. Um, yeah, I mean, spoilers. We're not going to talk about F1. No, hell no. Is, is there anything you want to want to talk about? Spooky films? I, what you what, I don't what know. films? Recommend some. You recommended me a spooky film for for spooky okay. season. Recommend me some more. So I'm, I'm trying to remember what I've actually watched this spooky season. What have you watched this spooky season? And I should have I should have been taking notes. I did. Hang on. I've got, do I need to get my notebook out? Um. Because I'm. <sighs> Yeah, I haven't watched anything spooky. Well, I had a notebook Man. of the things that I was I wanted to watch, and I've checked off some of them. But because the hashtag INFP problems, I sometimes just float around and don't. Oh yeah, do oh, things like that. So, um, so I'll go for the list. But these are just the things that I I put down that I wanted to watch. But I haven't actually seen it, so I'll just go for the ones I did watch. So I watched um, this Insidious 2. I've seen the first one, and I've never watched any other ones. So. The, Insidious 2 is very much more of the same. I mean, it depends really how you feel about the first one. And that it's it's perfectly competent and spooky. My overriding um, memory <laughs> of the of the first one was the what that one jump scare. The, with the thing with where which, the camera, goes, the camera goes to Patrick Wilson and the devil thing is behind him and the, the oh yeah it's devil you the one that gets spoiled in the Netflix like preview yeah it's like I, I never had it spoiled for me and I remember watching Insidious yeah. and just being like you know like everyone else like oh my fucking Christ I, I feel like it works better as a dark fantasy than as, as a pure horror because it's like once it starts going to like actual production it's like oh right uh, so things I was going to watch uh, the the American remake of The Ring, which I haven't watched yet. So I'm probably going to watch that, that for Halloween. A long time ago, yeah. yeah. The, the American remake of The Ring is actually really good. Yeah. It's actually one of the few, like, non... Or, like, American Hollywood remakes that actually works. Yeah. Um, don't I know agree. if it's necessarily better or worse than original, but it's fine. Um, I put... I haven't watched it, but Event Horizon question mark, but I watched it last year, so I'm probably not going to watch it again. Um, I watched Mama. Which, that um, that's the one where um, Nicolas Costa-Walder and Jessica Chastain adopt a pair of feral girls who are being haunted by a ghost. I feel like I saw trailers for this and then never followed up with actually watching. It's um, it's free on Prime. It's fine. Um, it's I didn't find it like particularly terrifying. Um, Jessica Chastain is really good in it, though. Like she's absolutely fantastic. Like she's really good. Um, I put um, the sequel to the Babysitter on Netflix, but I didn't watch that. Um, I did watch this. Ready, ready or not? Ready or not? That sounds familiar. It came out last year. It's the one. I mean, the premise is is that a, a woman is marrying into a rich family, and as part of the marriage celebrations, she has to play a game, and the game she picks is hide and seek. Okay. So naturally, the entire family um, has to hunt her down and kill her. 
Sure, makes sense. So the, so the whole thing is basically <laughs> her going around like this big, rich, fancy Agatha Christie house uh, in a bride's dress while her um, in-laws tried to murder her for an hour and a half. It, it's, it kind of would make a good double feature with Knives Out, I think. I like Knives it's, Out. It's really quite. Like it's got quite a similar aesthetic, and a similar like theme of like sort of like class relations. Okay. Which I think okay. would be quite good. I could dig uh, it. After that, let's see. I've got Us, which I did watch. Yeah, I watched that um, during the lockdown. And it, for the, I watched it the first time. I'm probably never going to watch it again because it really freaked Lupita, me out. Lupita Nyong'o's face is. She's awesome. She's amazing, but she can do She's some stuff with her face that haunts me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm never going to watch it again because I found it. Again, it's not. I find it really eerie and just very unsettling, and hadn't had bad dreams about it. That's fair. So it's good, but I don't know if I want to watch it again. Uh, under that, I put Get Out, but I'm probably not going to watch that this year because I've never seen Get Out. Ah, uh, it's really good. But I've watched Us, and I don't really want to watch both of them now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's got... a very different. Uh, I want to say, well, it's obviously a very different subject, sort of matter, but I think it's a very different vibe to, right. to us. Like, you can tell it's made by the same director, but beyond that, it's it's quite a different type of film. Okay. Um, then we're just getting to really a... good in that as well. Right. Then we're just getting to a bunch of stuff that I haven't, that I didn't get around to see. So, uh, the 2019 Pet Cemetery, which I haven't Pet seen. Pet Cemetery, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch this before Van Helsing. The <laughs> like the really bad Hugh Jackman one. Hugh Jackman. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's not good, but it's it's on the list. It's not. I, haven't no. seen it. I'm, I I'm went not to the cinema that. to watch that film. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Beckham sells it as well, not... isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not good. So then we've got um, the black and white Universal Studios Frankenstein. Okay. And next to it, I just put Bride of Frankenstein because I haven't seen those. Uh, the new TV series of The Grudge on Netflix. Wait, what? There's, uh, a, there's TV a TV series. series. Yeah, there's a TV series of The Grudge. Oh my! But in, in, it, it's a Japanese one. Oh yeah, do you own Origins? So that pro- so that would probably be horrible. Um, the poster's something. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The trailer, it looks like, it looks like The Grudge. Um, the 2010 M. Night Shyamalan film, Devil. Devil. Okay. Just because I saw it on Netflix. That's the one, um, it's a bunch of people in the lift. And, it's basically Among Us. Um, it's a bunch of people in the lift and one of them is Satan. Okay. So yeah, Among Us, the movie. Yeah. But, yeah. Which I think people overlook because M. Night Shyamalan was involved. Uh, yeah. God. So well, next on the film, list is you did a film, um, the visit, um, a few years ago, which was actually really good. Um, twenty fifteen, the visit. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a lot better than like the happening. <laughs> I haven't seen the happening. Sorry, don't, don't. That would be my advice. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. That's all right. And next we've got Hereditary, which I haven't seen. Oof. Okay, I won't say uh, anything. I'll be interested to Slender, see after that. Slender Man, which I haven't Ooh. seen. <laughs> no, neither have I, but oh, that's kind of I don't on think purpose. I don't think it's going to be good. Uh, Under the Shadow, which I started but didn't finish. Okay. 
that's the one set during the uh, Iran Iraq War in like Tehran. Uh, the haunt. I hate this title. The Haunting of Bly House. It's it's good though. Which I watched and it's really good and I cried at the end. Didn't we all? And it's 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 oh, it's nice. It's nice. I I, I was it was like three in the morning when I finished watching it because I got until like the. I think I got to like the seventh episode. I was like, oh, I'll just watch the next one. The next one was like the flashback What's episode. The flashback episode. And the next one was the like, last oh, episode. shit, now I've got to watch yeah. this. And then in the last episode, like spoilers, everything wraps up within 10 minutes. Yeah. It's weird. And the rest and is just, just dead anymore. Yeah. It's, it's good like, though because like, I love every single character in Blind Manor. Like, yeah. It's really good. I really hate like, the title. Um, I can't remember the character name. The Ryle Corley and. The housekeeper. Uh, I think that's Hannah Gross, Mrs. Gross. Right, and Rahul yeah. Kohli was the guy with the mustache. I know him from Owen? Content. Is um, yeah. is that's his act? That's his name, like the actor's name, Rahul Kohli. Yeah. No, oh, I think what? the cast the cast was really good. I don't think it's as good as Haunting His Hill House. No, but it's a very different. Thing. But it's it's very different. I mean, it's adapted. Owen was his character's name? Owen and Hannah. Um. Yeah, it's like it's not even trying to be the same, or even close yeah. to being the same. Because like Hill House is very much more focused on being horror, like scary horror. Yeah. Whereas Bly Manor is very much interested in telling its story with a horror backdrop, like. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Uh, next is uh, Netflix uh, adaptation of Rebecca, which isn't really like horror, but but is gothic. I got a notification for that the other day. Because yeah. um... I really love the book. The book is fantastic. Mm. Uh, I'm due for a rewatch of Sleepy Hollow, but I probably won't bother. Um, cool. Um, you've got one more, then we'll wrap up the podcast. Okay. Um, well, I mean, do you want recommends? Is that what it is? Um, uh, yeah, recommends. I mean, I mean, the re- I mean, towards the end, so I've got the Color Out of Space, Ginger Snaps, Candyman, The Crow, The Ring Zero, and The Frighteners, and I watched Candyman and The Crow. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so, is Candyman a a Halloween film? And then it's like, oh, it takes place on October 30th. So, yes, it is. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know if I have anything particularly in terms of recommends. I can go through that list. It's me watching trash. Some of it I've watched. I watched other things that was just on the list, which I didn't write down, but I can't remember what I watched. That's fine. Dark City. I rewatched Dark City. Nice. Is that a Halloween film? I don't know, but I watched The Crows, then I wanted to watch Dark City. I mean, if you watched it at Halloween, it's a Halloween film. <laughs> if you say it's a Halloween film, that's good enough for me. I watched Final Destination, which i never seen before. That's cool. I watched Scream 2. Two nights ago. I think Scream 2 is underrated, actually. Scream and good. Scream 2 are really good. I really like them. The big, the problem with, this, with Scream, though, is that it's Harvey Weinstein's name is all over it. It's literally a Weinstein production. You know? Yeah, so it's kind of hard. I get it. I get it. Now. I really like the films, but which is it sucks because that's sort of like Scream is sort of like I think of it in terms of like the slasher films of the eighties for my generation. That Scream is like the horror film that was big when I was young, when I was a it teenager. Was, yeah, Ghostface. So it's it's kind of we big, informative, and like that's what horror feels like to me. Um, oh, I also watched the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which no one should watch because it is awful. <laughs> it's... That, that is the perfect place to put, a, to put an end to this podcast. Yeah. That was... I was, 
I was fine for two thirds of it, and then they go to Freddy's sex dungeon. And I'm like, oh god. Yeah. That was episode 229 of the Words About Games podcast. Cut that out. <laughs> Freddy's Sex Dungeon. What a great place to end. I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you very much for joining me, Patrick. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, and we'll probably see you. I mean, I'll see you again soon because, you know, we're friends. But everybody else will see you again soon, I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. Say bye. Bye-bye. Be safe. Be Wear safe. a mask. Wear a mask. Fort Biden. Vote Biden. <laughs>